Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. I'm James Evan Pilato for MediaMonarchy.com. Even in an emergency, the authority of the government is not unfettered. We've got that story plus warp speed side effects. But first, Amazon names ex-NSA chief Keith Alexander to its board of directors. Alexander will serve on Amazon's audit committee, the internet retail giant said, in a filing with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the folks that, of course, lost thousands of those pesky insider trading documents in the collapse of Building 7. Keith Alexander, you might recall, came under fire during his time as head of the agency after former NSA and Booz Allen Hamilton and CIA contractor Lee Harvey Snowden leaked secret documents in June 2013, revealing the depth of NSA spy programs collection of data on U.S. citizens, world leaders, and others around the world. Some of the programs have totally ended, you can be assured. Others, like the PRISM program, reauthorized by Congress since they became public. The other police state update on this first Neural Next Week summit, DHS proposes massive expansion of biometric modality collection. Homeland Stupidity recently announced a notice of proposed rulemaking that outlines the agency could enlarge its collection of biometrics data by at least 2 million submissions annually. The 328-page draft of the new rule proposes to amend existing DHS regulations concerning the use and collection of biometrics in the enforcement and administration of immigration laws. And it notes, unless waived by DHS, any applicant, petitioner, sponsor, beneficiary, or individual filing or associated with an immigration benefit or request, including U.S. citizens, must appear for biometrics collection regardless of age. There will be new biometric modalities, including iris scans, palm prints, and voice prints. We have the 328-page PDF, Collection and Use of Biometrics by U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, and that PDF is hosted by Amazon Web Services. James, this is all just for those dirty immigrants, right? And U.S. residents and others. Yeah, no, of course not. And uh, yes, we're calling this police state updates, but I think they're e even more to the point. This is about biome biometric security updates. And that, of course, is just a subset of the broader category of biosecurity that I talked about in my recent podcast on COVID-9-11. But there's an even deeper thread that connects all of this that uh, kind of comes out in when you start getting into the details of this and some of the stories that you're talking about there. For example, talking about collecting people's fingerprints, there was an interesting article up in Forbes, of all places, a couple months ago, delving into MITRE, which is this quasi-private kind of entity that does basically exclusively contracting for the government. And they were talking about such things as the half-million-dollar contract they had from the FBI recently in order to develop software that will automatically go through people's social media posts and get their fingerprint details. Because as we've talked about, I think we talked about it at the time, researchers found a few years ago, oh, by the way, yeah, if you have a high enough resolution photograph that shows the palms of your hands, the people can get your fingerprint details from that. And you better believe the FBI is contracting MITRE in order to do that so that they can collect more of your biometric details. As people can tell, there's a huge biometric collection frenzy going on right now, and it is being facilitated by these mega behemoth corporations and quasi-private entities like MITRE. And Amazon, of course, gets into that stew with such th things as the uh, the Jedi 
uh, cloud computing contra contract for the uh, Pentagon, which they were competing with Microsoft. Microsoft ends up winning that contract, but don't worry, Amazon, we're still on your side. Well, oh, here's Keith Alexander to come join your board and to, to work for you. I mean, at a certain point, corporatocracy isn't quite the right word because that makes it sound like the corporate corporations are running the government. I don't think it, that is the case. It's it's this, where does one end and the other begin? Big corporations essentially are just private wings of the government power. I mean, they are one and the same at this point, and they are running this biometric security state. So I think these these stories give us an insight on that, on that. And I think we need a snappier title for that. I'm not sure what to call it. I mean, it's it's biometric fascist conglomerate security nonsense is what's happening right now. Biofascist security nonsense. It's a bunch of BSN, you guys. <laughs> Luckily, maybe hopefully, all my gear is so old. There's no way you're getting any high resolution photos of me. I don't. I don't think. So for our second segment on this Neural Next Week episode 421, I got a lot to say. And James, you and I again, we of course message each other off off mic, off camera a lot more. And a lot more since we got to meet up last year. It's almost been a year since we met up there in Japan. I'm way more enraged about the scamdemic than I was about 9-11. I think in 9-11, 20 years ago, I was more realizing and researching and discovering and going, what? Now, 20 years later, it mostly just kind of enrages me. And again, they would love for you to get enraged and go out and get violent because they know how to deal with that. But we are, of course, not about that. James, this seems vaguely important. NIH, very concerned about serious side effect in AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine trial. The Food and Drug Administration is weighing whether to follow British regulators in resuming a coronavirus vaccine trial that was halted when a participant suffered spinal cord damage, even as the National Institutes of Health has launched an investigation of the case. A great deal of uncertainty remains about what happened to the unnamed patient to the frustration of those avidly following the progress of vaccine testing. AstraZeneca, which is running the global trial of the vaccine it produced with Oxford University, said the trial volunteer recovered from a severe inflammation of the spinal cord and is no longer hospitalized. Britain's regulatory body reviewed the case and allowed the trial to resume in the UK. Stat News reports, however, that COVID-19 vaccine trial participant had serious neurological symptoms. Upon further examination, that participant was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, deemed to be unrelated to the COVID-19 vaccine treatment. Hey, but at least she might not get the 99.7% recovery disease. So, James, this is kind of like an inversion of what we talked about last week with them telling us not to wear masks at ground zero, but should for imaginary Rona. They said everybody died from the Rona, but turns out, oh, they were all already severely ill from young to old. Now the warp speed vaccine is already showing problems, but they go, nah, you already had multiple sclerosis. That wasn't our fault. I think some of the other, I think, crazy anti-vaxxers that we can kind of put into this story. Dana Schwartz of the Clinton News Network asks, let's just say there's a vaccine that's approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? And Kamala Harris, not the dead wrestler, says, I would not trust Donald Trump. I will not take his word for it. Another unelected conspiracy theorist and non-scientist, Bill Gates, wonders whether the FDA can be trusted on COVID vaccine. Appropriately enough, this one comes from Yahoo Finance. 
Bill Gates used to think the FDA is the world's premier public health authority. Not anymore. And he doesn't trust the CDC either. Both, in his view, are casualties of a presidency that has downplayed or dismissed science and medicine in the pursuit of political gain. Bill Gates, quote, the FDA lost a lot of credibility there. Historically, just like the CDC was viewed as the best in the world, the FDA had that same reputation, but there's been some cracks with some of the things they've said at the commissioner level. So in other kind of odd, eugenics-obsessed news, William H. Gates II, lawyer and philanthropist, dead at 94. You got to scroll a long way down in the Associated Press article to get to the mention where, of course, he ran Planned Parenthood. And James, I think I, I maybe broke that news to you late last night. And you even said, I wonder how or if this affects any of, you know, Billy Jr.'s plans. But before I throw it back to you, one note in this enraging second segment. Bayer settles thousands of U.S. Roundup cases with trial attorneys and James on the news of those settlements. Their shares closed up 2.7%, perhaps flying in the face of what we just talked about pretty recently here on New World Next Week. All right. A lot to discuss there. Um, on the note of Gates Sr. dying, uh, I'm not sure this is going to fundamentally change the direction of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation or its efforts. In fact, I'm pretty sure it won't, but I understand there were some differences of opinion that Sr. had with Jr. as to the the way that the foundation should disperse its funds, and I believe Sr. came down on the point of view that the foundation should continue to operate for, for as long as it can possibly go on, whereas uh, Jr. was more of the, we should wrap it up within 20 years of our death kind of thing, or whatever, whatever exactly the details of that are. So, it might have some difference in terms of how, you know, the, the disbursements get made. But at any rate, I'm not expecting anything fundamentally to derail from that, uh, that the, the agenda that the foundation is on. On the note of the vaccine trial and the side effects and now people coming out and saying, I wouldn't take a Trump vaccine. This goes, this just further extends that conversation that we started a couple weeks ago here about the politicization of the vaccine, which is a, a great thing from from a strategic perspective as i was saying before because now the the precedent has been set and when if even if biden gets elected and gets installed in in the oval office next year and then the vaccine gets rolled out well the democrats have now set the precedent that well no, that's going to be a Biden vaccine. So every Republican will say, I'm not taking a Biden vaccine. I don't trust the Biden CDC or the Biden FDA. So you've basically given a carte blanche that half of the population will guaranteed reject whatever vaccine comes out at any given time. Whether it's a Democrat or a Republican in power, the other half will reject it. Unfortunately, the transverse of that does mean that half of the population will gladly roll up their sleeves to show, to virtue signal how much of a Democrat or how much of a Republican they are. I'll take the Trump shot. It's Trump. Yeah, I trust him. Or I'll take the Biden shot. I love Biden. So, you know, but at any rate, it does create division and it does underline the point that is being made that there are other alternative factors to consider here. Science isn't floating on some cloud above everything. No, no, there are real people here with real vested interests. Now, if only we could 
actually insert the big pharma companies and their interests into this, into that mix, that would be good. It's not just political, it's also monetary. It also has to do with such things as the eugenics agenda. But at any rate, the more we start to complicate that straightforward narrative that the doctors floating on clouds will tell you what to do, Jeffrey Epstein's friend is telling you, you must get this vaccine, right? Uh, when we start to interrogate that and let that be become part of the, uh, the, the broader conversation, then even the normiest of normies will see that this is not a straightforward, oh, they've, they've told us there is some sort of scandemic, we must all roll our, our sleeves, there is no question. No, the questions are now being inserted, and they're being inserted by the very people who have been pushing this agenda the hardest, like the Fauci's and the Gates and the Harris's and the, those people who have, have been pushing this scandemic as hard as possible. Now they're the ones saying, whoa, we don't want a Trump vaccine. So as I say, the politicization of this vaccine, vaccine debate is strategically good, even if it doesn't quite get to the heart of the matter. But that's, I think, the name of the game. Division is the name of the game. Are you the choice of the new generation or do you like Coke? Those are the two choices and they'll keep banging those two things against each other. James, you kind of, I think, maybe invoked it. This is one of my favorite memes from Sal the Agorist recently. So we will have to include that in the show notes. It's basically Ralph Wiggum with a finger up his nose saying, Jeffrey Epstein's friend said I have to wear a muzzle. That is the power of memes. Uh, Yeah. So maybe some, we also often talk about not unmitigated good news, James. How about some not unfettered good news? We can add that to the New World Next Week lexicon. Our third and final story, all in New World Next Week, episode 421. Federal judge rules Pennsylvania lockdown unconstitutional. This coming from the fine folks at offguardian.org. A surprising ruling from U.S. District Court finds Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf's decree that forced people to stay at home, limited gatherings, and ordered all non-life-sustaining businesses to shut down to be in breach of the Constitution. In a rare win for freedom in the days of the new abnormal, Judge William Stickman IV sided with the plate of unsurprisingly, a group of small business owners sided with the plaintiffs against the state. A pretty great selection from the decision says, quote, even in an emergency, the authority of the government is not unfettered. The liberties protected by the Constitution are not fair weather freedoms in place when times are good, but able to be cast aside in times of trouble. There's no question that this country has faced and will face emergencies of every sort. But the solution to a national crisis can never be permitted to supersede the commitment to individual liberty that stands as the foundation of the American experiment. The Constitution cannot accept the concept of a new normal where the basic liberties of the people can be subordinated to open-ended emergency mitigation measures. Rather, the Constitution sets certain lines that may not be crossed even in an emergency. James, that is a pretty fantastic bit just from the giant decision. And again, the pushbacks have begun. I suspect we will see massive, possibly criminal lawsuits against the two guys running New York State and New York City at the at the very least. And again, maybe this is in some ways took people 15, 20 years to figure out the 9-11 scam. We don't have that much time. And fortunately, it doesn't look like it's it's taking that much time, James. 
Well, hopefully not, because people's very livelihoods are directly under attack here by a scam that we can identify in real time. This is a scam. They are using this as a uh, as a, an excuse to implement an economic agenda. So people are fighting back in the courts. And uh, we often we often tell people we're going to link up the decision in the show notes. You should go and read it. I, really, honestly, go and read this decision. There are some really important things that are said in here. For example, in an emergency, even a vigilant public may let down its guard over its constitutional liberties, only to find that liberties, once relinquished, are hard to recruit, recoup, and that restic- restrictions, while expedient in the face of an emergency situation, may persist long after immediate danger has passed. Yeah, the exact kinds of things that we've been saying for, well, decades now, when we go back to the uh, the Patriot Act, another, oh, emergency measures only for the good of uh, people. And he goes on, for example, to talk about the reopening teams that the governor appointed to ha- discuss and have meetings and, oh, should we, you know, what's a non-essential business? Should we close it down? And they, he points out that none of their hundreds, if not thousands of meetings were open to the public. No meeting minutes were kept and formality was not the first thing on their minds. And he goes on to uh, to excoriate them on that point and and many others as well. It is a decision that's worth reading because it does get into the details. And as Off Guardian notes in their article, of course, the state is going to appeal this. This is not the final verdict here, but it is a step in the right direction. And we are starting to lay the groundwork for the the case law that is going to set the precedent for other people in other places in the United States, at any rate, to file constitutional claims. Uh, And uh, we know this is happening in other countries. There's Rocco Galati in Canada and uh, the Children's Defense Fund is doing a bunch of different lawsuits on different grounds, suing for mandatory uh, flu vaccinations and other things. So there's a lot of stuff that's happening legally right now. And of course, let's not put all of our hope in the court system. It will save us. But at any rate, this is yet another arrow in the in the quiver that we can use as another way to approach this problem that is a problem. And I know you've been documenting it. It's interesting to me, looking from halfway around the world, that in the United States, it seems the gym owners are the ones that are putting up some of the biggest fights there. And hey, deservedly so, because of course, as we know, the the government, of course, gets to keep their private gyms open for their, you know, oh, I mean, these are government workers. They need to have gyms open. But you who own your own gym, no, you have to close down. And if you so much as try to uh, illegally open, we're going to throw you in jail. All of this nonsense that's going on that, again, is literally destroying people's lives, tearing down what they have spent their entire lives building up and working towards. I don't know who in their right mind would lay down and take this. So I'm glad to see some people are pursuing this legally and every other way. And at the end of the day, I think the number one way to defeat this is just open, outright defiance. Open your gym and let them come and arrest you. And if enough people have that mentality, then this will not be enforceable. They will not get away with this. You will enforce your rights by using them rather than going to a court of law and asking them to uphold them. And is this all part of the plan? I mean, it almost seems like the actions, whether on purpose or not, are creating whole new generations of terrorists. Again, it was what we get when we bomb and subjugate and occupy all kinds of other nations. It seems obvious it's going to create a whole generation of people kind of might hold a grudge over this. James, you're exactly right. This gym situation is playing out in literally in San Francisco where gym owners, you know, small businesses discovered they were closed and essentially the government gyms were still open. I only 
think of this, I guess, when, I, when I'm on air, James, when we're doing this, because we're talking about emergency declarations. I'm sure I know the answer to this, but I have not been able to look it up. Probably pretty likely Trump re-signed the 9-11 emergency declaration, what, for the 19th year, as you and I have documented for nearly 11 years on this show. Pretty sure we could probably find that and put that down in the show notes. And just in closing, James, uh, we've been using my post office box for folks to send support for not only for myself, but also for you who might not do the internet money thing and because you don't have a post office box. So for the last several weeks, we've been using essentially if you send checker money order made out to James Evan Pilato. And again, we put all that down in the show notes. It's been fantastic, James, because we get messages and we get letters and we get support from people who say things like, thanks for doing this so old people can support you. And I know they're being slightly humorous, but that's, again, we're able to, I think, to hopefully reach all kinds of other people. I stream news, music, memes, and more in the Media Monarchy Kingdom at MediaMonarchy.com slash listen. There's an easy way for folks to come essentially try it out for free, and I hope that they will, James. Yeah, and I hope people are listening to Morning Monarchy. I've made a few references to it just in what we're talking about here. You are covering various aspects of this, so I hope people who are interested in this will stay up to date with that. Anyway, we're going to leave it there for this week. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. James, have a good week. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Take care.